Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Let's welcome everybody in Montgomeryville joining us and online. This is the best looking church I've ever preached to. I mean it. It looks beautiful in here today. Listen, if you're not an Eagles fan, I hate this for you today. I'm glad you're here, and I apologize in advance for what's going to happen to you. If you have any other team on in here today, this is probably going to be a long day, day for you. And uh, I'm excited, man. This is Super Bowl Sunday, obviously. Uh, we, we're excited about the game. I love the Eagles as well. And uh, I love that video. That video actually came out two days ago. We had another video planned that we made, and uh, we're going to show it to you. We showed it to you the beginning, and then we have a little bit of video we want to show you at the end. But that video legitimately, I was like, is this talking about the Bible and Jesus? Or the Eagles, I can't tell the difference. Maybe they're wanting to get, like, to say, maybe, maybe the Eagles are God's chosen people. And so, like, it was so, like, like, he said, let's keep the main thing the main thing. He said, they said, like, everybody's sitting here for a reason. They, they, they said, focus on getting 1% better. It's like a staff meeting at Journey Church. It is a reminder of all the things that Jesus says. I love, I love the Eagles. I love, I love everything about them. I love that video. I love the attitude of, of, of the Eagles. I, I've, I've loved the, this season. Like, I'm just excited about tonight as well. But, but I found so much uh, biblical truth as we were, talk, were thinking about Eagles Super Bowl Sunday in, in what I would call the attitude of the Philadelphia Eagles sports fans. And you know what I'm talking about? The attitude of the sports fans. If you're with us, you're with us. If you're not with us, you're not with us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's video, like J- Joey Bosa's coming into the game to watch his brother play and the fans are heckling him and he loses his mind with, like he fell for it. You know what I'm saying? And like, if you're with us, you're with us. If you're not with us, you're, you're, you're again, some people don't understand that. They're like, didn't, the, didn't the, 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 the Philadelphia Eagles fans throw snowballs at Santa? Yes, we don't believe in lies. And so, like, yes, we did that. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's how we are. In, in other words, like, I, I started thinking about this. Like, we, we, we have, like, doesn't matter. Listen, you can go to an Eagles game, and it doesn't matter if you were born here or not. If you're wearing Eagles gear, you're one of them. If you're not wearing Eagles gear, I don't know why you're there, right? Like, but you're one of them. It doesn't, they don't ask you how long you live here, what is it, you prefer cheesesteak, you know, what block are you from? It's like, you like the Eagles? That's awesome. In, in other words, they said, like, you want to fly with us? Then let's go. But we will not adjust our altitude for anyone. You can fly with us if you want, but we're going to be who we're going to be. Like, just think about all the things that they said over the last couple of years. The Eagles, I, I used to love, uh, 2017, they used to say Philly versus everyone. Come on, 8 o'clock service, so much better than you. Philly versus everyone, right? Like Philly versus everyone. Our fight song. I'm surprised it hasn't been canceled already. It got Will Smith canceled. He's from Philly, right? What does it say? Hit him high, hit him low, right? And so, right? He's from Philly. He was just practicing the fight song a couple, couple years ago. <laughs> like I'm surprised it hasn't got, got canceled. What do we say? We say Dallas. There you go. You know you can say that in church. You can. It's biblical. We'll say stuff like this. We'll say no one likes us and we don't. We don't care, man. And I love the new one this year. They'll say it's a Philly. I can't explain it. It's just a Philly thing. Like it's just, it just is what it is. There's no, there's no, there's no apologizing. There's, there's no, do you feel comfortable with this? Are you okay with this? Is this, you know, millennial enough for you? Is this, um, could, like, is this snowflake enough? Are we, can we be less offensive? Can we, are we allowed to cheer like this? Like you, you go to the game, you're, you're in, right? Like there's no option. You stand up when you're supposed to stand up and you sit down when you're supposed to sit down and you, you like it is, it is in you. If you're one of us, you're one of us. If you're not, like there's no apologies there. And some of you are like, that doesn't seem very Christ-like. But I actually, I think it looks a lot like Jesus. You see, Jesus lived for 33 years, but he was only specifically in ministry on this earth for three years. He knew that his death was coming. He knew that he literally every step he took was a step closer to him dying on a cross for our sins. So the way that he lived his life was on purpose and on mission. He had very strict rules. If you wanted to come with them, you could come with them, but he was not going to lower the bar 
for anyone. It looked a lot like Philly. You can come with me if you want. I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. We're going to change the world, but I'm not going to make you feel comfortable in the process. People didn't always like that. In fact, uh, sometimes I think we think of Jesus as this kind of PG-rated guy that everybody was cool with, you know, soft hands, long hair, suave hair, right, white dress, blue cloth over top of it, you know, you know the pictures of him, like Jesus was kind of this soft guy, but he, he legitimately everywhere he went, uh, his attitude was, 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 listen, I'm unwavering in what I'm about to do. I'm not asking your permission, and, and, and I'm inviting you to come with me, and this is going to be for anyone, but it's not going to be for everyone. Not everyone's going to want to come and die. Not everyone's going to want to give up their life. Not everyone's going to follow me to the foot of the cross. I'm okay with that. In fact, one of my favorite examples of that, if you read in Scripture, is in Luke chapter 4. Jesus shows up back in his hometown. He goes to church, and uh, he begins to read through the, through the Scriptures. The Bible says he unwraps a scroll. That's where the Scriptures were, were, were written at that point. He unwrapped a scroll, and he landed in the book of Isaiah, a prophetic book, and he read a, a prophecy about him. Nobody knows that it's about him because he's Jesus. He grew up there. They played sports with him. He, they interacted with him. So he reads this prophecy, and he tells them, hey, today, this is being fulfilled in me, which they didn't like. The Bible says he goes, and he, he gives them some little, little Jesus one-liners. You can read about it. I'm not going to quote that part, but I love the interaction with him. In Luke chapter 4, verse number 28, the Bible says, here's the response of the people. The Bible says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. By, by the way, if you come to church every week and you never leave a little, a little bit angry, you're probably not listening to Jesus. If you do leave every time you get mad about something, you're probably never going to spiritually mature into who you're supposed to be because that, that anger that you feel, that's conviction. And the Bible says that's God's gift to you. Like they, they read it. They didn't like it. Here, here, here was their response. I love this part because Jesus is, is a G. Watch what it says. The Bible says, they got up, they drove him out of town and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw Jesus off a cliff. How bad do you have to preach for people to want to kill you, Right? They want to throw him off the cliff, and now watch what it says. This is like a passing thing that if you don't read it slowly, you'll miss it. The Bible says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Yeah, one person sees it. They're pushing up against Jesus, right? They're pushing him to the cliff. He's like backing up. They think they got him, and he just, and they get to the edge. Like, where's Jesus? He's walking that way. He don't care. Like, I, I just told you what's happening. I told you what's about to, to transpire. I'm going to tell you what you need. I'm not going to ask you what you want. I'm going to tell you what you mean. I'm going to drop the mic. I'm going to walk away. What looks more Philly than that? And I love it. Because what Jesus is trying to tell us is I'm not about your comfort. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here uh, to not challenge you. I'm here to change the world. It's going to begin with changing you. But if you want to change you, you're going to have to step outside of your comfort level and step into my life. And I love that because for us as a church, we tried to build our church around that same mentality. I love being a pastor in a church near Philly. I don't want to go anywhere else. There's a certain type of people that come in with a certain attitude and a certain swag. And I can't explain it. It's a Philly thing. But I think it looks more like a Jesus thing if you ask me. And so for years, we've said stuff that doesn't really make sense if you don't understand Jesus. We said, hey, we want to remind you, we exist for those not yet. Some of you know that. Some of you are like, I wear the t-shirt, I have no idea what it means. We're going to remind you, it's not about your comfort. This church is not just about your butt being in a seat. It's not about you just attending. We want to remind you we're on mission. Time is limited. We want to exist for those not yet here. When they said in there, they said, it's not about one of us, it's about all of us. That is so biblical. What do we say in journey? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's bigger than you. You're not supposed to come in here and just find your comfort and relax and soak in the spirit of God and never be challenged and never, never step outside of your comfort zone and never step outside of your seat. So I started thinking about that. Like Philly, Philly fans, they're not worried about your comfort. They're not worried about you feeling at ease. They're not worried. They, they, they'll, they'll have you, but they're going to stay true to themselves. I want to give you kind of a similar message. We'll have you, but we're going to stay true to who we're called to be. So this is what you call as a pastor, a space creator. Some of you, this will be the last Sunday you ever come to Journey Church. 
You're going to leave. You're going to be mad. I'm going to take you back to Luke chapter 4 I just read where they try to push him off the cliff and he walked right through. Like, I'm not worried today about your, your comfort. I'm not worried about your happiness. I'm not worried about, about, about what you want to do, your agenda. I'm going to tell you what it takes to be on the team of Jesus. I'm going to tell you what it takes to be a part of a church that actually changes the world. I'm going to tell you just real quick. I have a video I want to show you at the end. Just two types of people who will feel comfortable at this church. And if you don't find yourself in one of these two types of people, it's going to be like a Cowboys fan at an Eagles game. You're just not going to feel comfortable. It's not going to be a good experience for you. You're not going to be talked to gently, right? You're, you're probably not going to go back next year. You're just going to say, I'll watch it from what? Watch it from home. And some of you, you might get to that point today and say, this sounds like too much. This is, this is a little bit too much. You want, me to, you want me to do something. Like I know the Bible says that faith without works is dead, but like I'm not really into that part of Scripture. I just want to chill. I want to come in. I want to soak. I'm using that word because that's like a, the silliest word I can think of. I just want to soak in his spirit and I just want to leave this place and just kind of float with little butterflies in my spiritual life and just go, that's not what the Bible calls you to. So let me just give you two types of people that are going to feel comfortable at, our, at church, both here in Montgomeryville and if you're watching online. The first type of people that will feel comfortable at Journey Church are what I would call unsafe seekers. This one's important. People that feel far from God. Now, I want to preface that by saying nobody is really far from God because the Bible says that he is close to the brokenhearted. So you might feel far from God, but the Bible says that God is closer than you think, that he is constantly knocking at the door of your heart. Some of you are here today because of God continually pursuing you. You've run, he's run fat, farther. You've run faster, he keeps going. You can't get away from God. He's a pursuing, good, gracious God. If your heart's still beating, he never gives up on you. He's pursuing you. Here's the problem. Most churches don't give that perception to people. Most of the time in churches, what do you have? You have a group of people. We come to a room. We do our thing. We all look the same, especially today. It's weird. We look like a big cult. We do our thing, we stand up for three songs, we sit down, we got our friends, we got our parking spot, we go do, go, go do church, I went to church, we leave this place, we kind of stay to, to, to ourselves, right? And I, I just want to encourage you, if you've never been to this church before, if you've never walked through the doors of, of a church, if you, your heart's beating really hard, you're like, I don't even know what he's about to say, like you, you came here today, but you came terrified, I just want to tell you, you are welcome in this place. This church is your church. My house, you ever hear that? Is your house. And I say that from the bottom of my heart. Like, this place is designed with you in mind. We were praying about you, thinking about you, planning for you, trying to make sure everything we, we do today makes sense to you. We, we do church with you in mind. Why? Because unsaved seekers should feel comfortable from the moment that they walk through our doors. It's really important because that's not typically how church is, is wired. It's just, it's just not. Church becomes more like an inbred Arkansas club. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> It's the, it's the only place I can go. You've never been to Arkansas. If you've ever been there, you know. It's just, you get to a certain point in America, stuff changes. It's like you want to tell me, the war's over. It's just done. Like, we can, right? Like, it's just different. And so, and it feels like a club. Like, you go to it, and, like, you don't know what they're saying, and you don't, like, you sit down, and they stand up, and you stand up, and they sit down, and they all talk weird, and, and, they, and it feels like this club that you're, you're a part of. I don't know if you've ever been, I started thinking, you ever been invited to somebody's house where you go to their house, and then you show up, but it feels like you weren't really invited, but you were actually invited? You ever been there? Like somebody's like, hey, you want to come around? So you're like, yeah, sure. We're going to have a meal. You're like, yeah. Like, what time are we eating? And they'll say, hey, we're going to eat around 5.30. You get there at 5.30, and they just started cooking? You're like, I thought we were eating at 5.30. They're like, well, no, dinner will be ready in two hours. You're like, I only plan to be here for 45 minutes. I had an exit plan, right? A phone call, a text, an emergency, right? And so... And you just get stuck there, and the whole time it's super, I've, I've had these moments, right? This is, this is part of being a pastor. There's been, I can give you stories, right? And people invite you over to share your vision and your mission for the church, right? And so those are the people you say no to now, right? But when I was younger, I went over to, and you just, they would sit there, and it would just be awkward, and the food wasn't, wasn't, was never ready. Then when it was ready, there was times that it wasn't like there was not enough. You ever been there? And you're like portioning out and trying to like pay attention to how much you're eating, and, and then it's just weird conversations. 
conversation the whole time and they just look weird and you, you don't know what to do and then you leave this place and when you leave, you're like, I'm never going back there. I'm never talking to them again. I'm never making eye contact with those people again. Because you got invited somewhere where, it does, and do you know that happens at church all the time? Do you know that people, they did a, a survey or a study of people and why they don't go back to church? And the reason they don't got, go back to church is church people, historically, uh, we don't, we're not mad at people and we don't reject people. We just ignore people. I just ignore them. I, don't, I, don't, I, I see you there, but I don't really want to deal with you today. I got my own agenda. I got my own prayer request. This is my favorite song. Like, I I would talk to you. I got to get into church. We're singing Firm Foundation. I love that song. And we just ignore people. You know, actually, this, one, of, one, of the, one of the greatest examples of, of this in, in the church history world is uh, Gandhi. You guys, you guys have heard of Gandhi before. Ga- Gandhi, uh, he practiced Hinduism. He actually is the one that helped spread Hinduism in India. India is, is a country that many parts of it are far from God. So he practiced Hinduism. And so people look at Gandhi, they're like, you know, he's a religious leader of, of, of Hinduism, and they, they, kind of, they kind of associate him with that. But do you know there was a time, if you can study Gandhi's life, where he was actually studying all religions of the world, and his hope was he hated the caste system in, in India. He, he, he despised it. And he knew that maybe they could change culture if they could introduce a better religion than was currently in India. So he studied all religions of the world, and the one he landed on was Christianity. He looked at the message of Christ and his love and his grace and his forgiveness and there was neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile nor, nor you know, male nor female nor, nor slave nor free. Like everybody is created equal in, in, in God's image and he went to church hoping that he could experience this, this Jesus and this religion and then take it to the people of India and absolutely see India change. And so he went to a, a, a Protestant church on a Sunday morning, walked through the doors and met an usher there. The usher looked at Gandhi up and down and told Gandhi, this church is reserved for only Europeans. True story. So Gandhi left and found Hinduism, and the history of India is different. And I just want to encourage you. If you've never been to church before, this is your church. You're an addict. You're, you're down. You're depressed. You, you feel alone, you feel worthless, you, 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 you feel like you're broken beyond belief, you, you've been divorced multiple times, you've had multiple abortions, you struggle with your, your sexuality, like all these things that people deal with in our world, you cut yourself, you're, you're depressed, you, everything that we can think of that is outside of God's best for our lives, if you struggle with any of those, this is, this is your church. This is a place you can feel welcome. This is a place we'll meet you at the, at the door. This is the place where we'll share stories. Hey, me too. I've been in those moments before. God's changed my life. I, I want this to be a place that is comfortable, almost feels like home, almost feels like we were thinking about them before they got here. A place where unsaved seekers find a home. Now, I remember years ago, uh, there was this, when I first started the church, there was this, this movement in the church called uh, Seeker Sensitive. And I remember I was 2005, I was 25 years old, and I was raging against the church machine. And I used to be like, that's so stupid, save seekers. So what did we do? We put candles on the stage, and we sang Charlie Hall worship music, which was like Kurt Cobain meets Jesus worship music. And we turned the lights way down, and we put the chairs in an awkward half circle, and we held hands sometimes in church, which is, if you ever go to church for the first time, you don't want to hold somebody's hand. Man, before COVID, you didn't want to do that. And so we held hands, and we did long prayers, and we, we got really deep into scripture, and we went to Applebee's for half price apps after church on Sunday night and we had a great thing going you know what else we had nobody meeting Jesus it was a great place for young 25 year olds that wanted to argue about scripture to come and meet with Jesus and leave that place with a bigger spiritual head prepared to do nothing that week so we switched stuff up. This doesn't make sense. We're not having candles. What's candles? It's 2005. We have electricity now. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't sing music that sounds like you want to die. <laughs> we're singing about the cross and resurrection, but we're depressed. Come in, you know. Maybe we should stop going to Applebee's for half-price apps. Because nobody likes Applebee's. Sorry if you work there. <laughs> Maybe, like, like every, why? Because we wanted to be a place. Somebody, I'm going to get an email. Somebody be like, I, I own an Applebee's. I don't know why you do, but you do. Sell it. Get a Chili's. 
Listen, nothing looks less like Jesus than a church that is not obsessed with being welcoming to, to, the, to outsiders. Over and over and over again, Romans 15, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Romans 12, extend hospitality to strangers. Hebrews 13, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Even Jesus, Matthew 25, they're trying to figure out. Jesus is talking about the goats and the sheep and, and doing for the least of these. And how do we know we did that? And Jesus says this in Matthew 25. He says, I, want, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. In other words, he tells them, I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was naked and you put clothes on me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. Hey, Lord, when do we do that? When you welcome one of the least of these, it was like welcoming me. You want to be a church that reflects the character of God in a comforting way? The first people that should feel comfortable here is what I would call unsafe seekers. Let me just give you the second group. There's only two groups of people that feel comfortable here. There is no in-between. We do this a lot of times with God uh, because it makes it easier to be a follower of Christ, but there is no in-between. Uh, it's really black or white, which is also a Philly thing. It's really, really, really straightforward. The second group of people that will feel comfortable at Journey Church what I would call saved servants. Now you say, what, what's that? Well, there's, a group, there's groups of people that come through church doors that just probably won't feel comfortable here. They're not seekers. They know the Lord. They've experienced him. They've had a moment where they ask him to be their Lord and Savior. They've been baptized. Their kids go to Christian school or whatever they do. Like, they read the Bible. They have all the veggie tales. They got all these things, right? Like, they listen to only 106.9 and K-Love. Like, they, they are fully locked in. They, they know Revelation up and down. They know when Jesus is coming. Jesus don't even know when Jesus is coming back, but they know, Right? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't know. Jesus doesn't know. Let's just talk about what we do know. Right? Like, let's, let's just focus on that. They got all those things, but they're, they're not safe servants. They, they're, they got other things going on. Because not everybody that walks through the, 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 the church of God is, is what I would call safe servant. Not, not, not every person is, 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 is on mission with God. Not every person has stepped outside of their seat. Let me just give you some people that I have found that will not feel comfortable in an unapologetic way to journey church. Can I do that? You will not like this. This will not be comfortable for you. You will feel like you don't fit in. You will leave this church and find a reason because it just doesn't make sense. Let me just give you a few people that I've noticed that should not, will not, cannot feel comfortable at this church if we're going to seek and save the lost. First one is this, what I would call the saved seated. You know what I'm talking about? The people whose the spiritual gift is just to sit. Like you come in, you do your thing, you, 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 know, you lift your hands maybe a little bit, you sing a couple songs, you sit in a seat and you leave, and you think that's why God saved you. You think that your spiritual gift is backside. Like you just, you just, okay, I'm here. Thank God, do you see me? I'm here. Is this good enough? I told the 8 o'clock people, I think a lot of them think that. I got up for church at 8 o'clock in the morning. Is this not good enough? Are you not impressed, God? The saved seated. People that just, they kind of just float through life. They go to church, but they don't understand what the church is about. They're not on mission. They don't know the church is supposed to seek and save the lost. You've been saved. You're fine. You want the confirmation class. You're great, great raising your family up in church. You're seated. You're, you're, you're sanctified. You're, 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 you're holy, right? You, your job is just to observe. And I, I, I wish, listen, I wish, I started thinking about this. I wish that there was a spiritual gift of watching and observing things in people because I would love that. If they would pay me to go to the mall and watch people, I would quit being a pastor. I would do that tomorrow. Observe, document, upload to Google, make things up, data analysis, you know, all that stuff. Because literally, if you give me an option on a Friday night and I got nothing else to do, I'll watch people. It's free, right? It doesn't cost money. It's like going to a, a zoo, right? And so you just watch people. You watch them fight. You watch them. It's just a great, great, great thing. But that, listen, that is not in the Bible. There is no spiritual gift in the Bible that calls you to watch people saved, seated. Let me give you another one. The saved sulking. You know what saved sulking is? You, you know, it might be you. Like the saved sulking, saved sulkers, people that come into church and they've just been hurt and they're just burnt. I love this word, burned out. There's this new word coming around church. It's called church hurt. I've been church hurt. I'm like, what the heck is church hurt? Well, I interacted with people and, you know, they, they hurt. I'm like, well, that's like saying you went out and you met a bear and he ate you. That is a dust statement. If you do this long enough and you hang out with a group of people long enough, they're going to make you mad at some point. If you always run every time somebody makes you mad, you're going to be on a desert island somewhere. And you're still going to be mad because you got to be with yourself. 
The safe salt, come in here, and I just want to sulk, and I want to talk. I, hear, I just want to rest in God's presence, and I just want to heal, and I just want to. Listen, time's short. You got all of eternity to get over yourself. You've been hurt. That's, that's great. Man, forgive and let go and walk in freedom in Christ. It's not like my, my son. You ever hear kids, they'll get mad. They'll say, I hate him. I hate you. Like, like you are, like that's the most impressive thing you can say. And I told him a couple weeks ago, I said, the hate part, that's your punishment. They don't care. I hate you. Okay. I'm going to go sit in your seat now. <laughs> save sucking. Let me give you a couple other ones. What I would call the saved. Here's a good one. Save sucking. Everybody say, don't suck. Say it again. Say, don't suck. The safe sucking. What's the safe sucking? What I would call the spiritual uh, consumers that inhabit churches. You know I'm talking about? Here's how you know you're, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a consumer. If you come here weekly, you've been here more than one, two, three weeks, and you, you drink a cup of coffee that you never make. Like you just assume it's going to be there. And you drop your kids off. I like this. Is, this is a new one with us. So we have kids ministry bursting at the scene. Literally, we're about to open this new kids wing in a few weeks. We're going from three classrooms. We used to have four to six. And then because you keep making babies, uh, we already in the plans have two more rooms that are going to open up. And then we're going to open up a special needs room. And we're just going to kind of keep opening up space because you guys keep making, making kids. And so, and uh, there's hundreds of kids just keep walking through our doors. And I love it because we have so many people that, that are bringing their kids now. If you bring your kids into our, our kids' ministry and you drop them off, you look around, you're like, this is crazy. Thank God somebody's watching my kid. And you are not to the point where you go, I should probably help. This is nuts. And you just assume every week, they want my kids. They want to watch my, who wouldn't want to watch my kids, right? Listen, you got a problem spiritually. Because nobody likes your kids that much. <laughs> we love your kids. There's a difference. You think I'm playing? L love enables you to put up with spit up, crying babies, tantrums, tears, anger, mismanagement of discipline because most parents don't do that. Breaking things, chaos, hair pulling, accident reports. You know, in general, goldfish fights. <laughs> we love your kids. We believe we're invested in, the, in, their, in your kids, and they're going to change the world. So it's bigger than just you dropping them off. But I'm telling you, if you just drop them off and you just assume somebody's going to watch them, you're what I would call a spiritual sucker. You're a parasite. Here's what a parasite does. A parasite takes, 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 and eventually either dies or goes somewhere else to take. That, that's what it, and too many churches, they do studies all the time. Why is the church quieting and why is it shrinking and why is it dying and why is it this? Well, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. What's going to be the biggest problem? Workers going to be few. What God wants to do in our church is going to seem almost impossible at this point in our life. We're going to look and go, I can't believe God wants to do that. But here's the thing. We got to get out the way so that he can do it. We got to make room. We got to get more teachers. We have to have more teammates. We got to do what God has called us to do so that he can bring the harvest in. Save the save, the save, save seated, the save sulking, the save sucking. Here, here's another one. I, this is the one I found the biggest problem with, what I would call the saved, the saved uh, seated, the save seated, or safe sleeping. I'm sorry, safe sleeping. Here's what I've noticed about church people, and I've been guilty of it. Longer you're saved, the less you care. Longer you're saved, less you care. It's normal. It's normal to come to church. It's normal to meet Jesus. It's, no, it's normal to know he's good. It's normal to receive forgiveness. It's, it's, it's normal. The safe sleeping. I'm just going through the motions. This is just what I do. I just hear, right? And so these are the people that feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you the people at, that know Christ that feel comfortable at this church and probably shouldn't be any church. The saved, the saved servants. The, the saved servants. And, and here's why this is, this is so important. It's exactly what Jesus calls us to. You see, here, here's, here's the problem with some of you. Some of you, you're insecure, you're sick all the time, you're worried, you're fearful, and you're unhappy. And you don't know why because you come to church every week and you're supposed to have the joy of the Lord running through your life, but instead you're filled with all those things that you're filled with. And here's, here's what I've noticed. The reason so many people are filled with those emotions is because you also believe the lie that you'll be the most happy when you focus and think about yourself first 
If you make your life about you, you'll get better, you'll improve. But what I found is the more you make your life about you, the more insecure, the more anxiety, the more fear, the more worry, the more doubt, right? So here's what Jesus calls it to. Watch what the Bible says. But Jesus dealt with this. James and John, they asked Jesus, Jesus, can we be on your right hand? Can we be on your left hand? Can we be a big deal? Can, can, can you prop us up in your kingdom? Can you do these things? And watch what Jesus says. He calls them to this. In Mark 10, verse number 43, he says, listen, everybody else wants to be first. Everybody else wants to think about themselves. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. Serving is not something you choose to do. Serving is what you were created to do. I'm going to, if I can teach you anything, the best day of your life, the best season of your life, the best moments of your life was when you begin to see, I'm on this earth for a reason. And the reason is bigger than me. I'm on this earth to do something big for God's kingdom. And God wants to work in and through my life. The best moment of my life is when God said, it's time for you to get in the game. It's time for you to begin to, to serve, right? And I found through service, I found God do more than I can even describe to you in and through my life. And so I, I don't want to be the only person to, to tell you that. And so what I did is I asked our media, media creative team. I said, hey, let's, 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 let's just ask people. Let's ask people that serve. Let's not even give them warning. Let's, let's, not, let's not produce this thing, give them questions and tell them. Let's just, let's just stop them in the hallway. Just ask them, what, what is it like to serve? What, what does it feel like? And so I just, I just have a few moments. I always want you to check out this, this, this video and you can hear from somebody other than me uh, talking to you. Check this out. We get to include the kids in part of serving at Journey Kids. So when they're greeting outside, I'm not just the only one greeting. I also got some kids teammates with me too. Really getting the kids involved, what makes me really excited about the kids team. I mean, everybody's friendly. I love dealing with the people. Everybody's nice coming in. And I just like being the first people that they see. You know, having people around that, uh, that you can rely on and building relationships. Uh, my favorite part is seeing kids uh, meet Jesus on their level. My favorite part is getting to meet new people. My favorite part of being on the team is working with all the different people and just having a lot of laughs behind the scenes that not everybody gets to see. My favorite part is when I find out that they're brand new and then they gave their life to Jesus. Like the realness. Instead, when I used to, I used to just walk into church, walk out, and now it's like that connection that I get with people and with God through that. I like seeing people and making them laugh. Uh, my favorite thing is I'm in the middle of all of it. I get to look out for the kids, but I also get to be like a nice greeting face to all the new people and regulars. I would say my favorite part about being on the team is walking somebody in for their first time and then seeing God change their life. Well, my life's been different since I started serving because it's really taken me out of myself. Prior to serving, I felt like I served only to people who were deserving of me serving. And after I served, I changed my perspective. So I've served to serve, not serve to receive. My life is different since serving. I feel like I have more purpose. I am uh, just a better dad, better husband. I'm sober and clean off drugs, and I'm out of prison. <laughs> I'm naturally a selfish person, so being more selfless through worshiping and becoming more humble throughout the process of worship. Someone once prepared that seat for me to come in, and since then I've been able to see God's love in a whole new way and experience a whole new joy and relief. Um, so I get to experience that with somebody else who's new to the church. So I take that as like a huge badge of honor to get to be a part of that process. My life is different because I have found a group of people that love serving God and love serving others. And just being able to work together just to build God's kingdom is awesome. At the end of the day, after I'm done serving, I, I feel like I'm more fulfilled. Um, not as tired at the end of the day, just feeling filled up. Um, so I've made some great relationships and I felt like being here and serving and being amongst godly people has really changed my heart for the better. Um, it's changed my whole family. My kids serve. Uh, 
the core values or you know that the church stands for are being implemented in my family and my home life. It's been cool to um, to get to be a part of something that's just bigger than myself. My life is very different. It's all together become better. I have a better marriage, great new connections, and I've grown a lot closer to God. It's been a blessing. With that camaraderie and family feel, you have your own family and then you have your church family, and it's just great to come in, be able to talk about your week, be able to talk about what's going on, have people praying for you and with you. I mean, you can't get anything better than that. My family grew bigger because it's like a big family here. You meet more people and get close to them. Everybody's so kind and helpful. It's just somebody to turn to. It's a tricky one, but the best way to summarizing how serving has changed or impacted my life would be, uh, it's not that like it took away the hardship, but it just let me realize that my problems really aren't that big. It just impacted me in making me realize that there's a bigger picture and I'm just a small part of it. So as we welcome Montgomeryville back, some of you might be saying, what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the agenda? I want to get you moving. My, my biggest fear in, 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 in my life is to build a big church with lots of people that has zero influence and a lot of people that are still going to hell because they missed the point. Like the, the Bible's clear. Like you can go to church your whole life not know Christ. You know Christ through, number one, giving him your heart, and number two, giving him your life through, through service, through following him. Like, that's, you think about the words he used. He said, come follow me. It's not, it's not a sit-down word. Like, we've turned it into come sit in a, in a room and let me tell you about your fears. Oh, God will help you with your fears. Let me tell you about, you know, doing this, and let me tell you about what God wants to do for you. And all that stuff is great, but the truth is, uh, if you want God to be full in your life, you want to see the fullness of God, you got, you got to let him work both in your life and let him work through your life. And so I started thinking about this at both of our campuses. What, what, how do you do that? Like, how do you step into serving? Well, we made it easy. We gave you a cup. It has a number on it. We have a number right here. But the truth is, it's, it's more than that. So I started thinking about for myself and my life, because I grew up in church. I didn't get it for years. So how do you step into service? And this isn't going to be long. I just want to give you what, what, I, what I remember from my own life and I've seen in other people's lives as they've taken this step. First thing is this, is service begins with a decision. So I started thinking, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about abs for some reason, right? Abs, you know everybody in this room has abs. Do you know that? But you can't see them because abs take your participation. And so most of us don't get abs because we're like, I'm not participating in that, Right? Like you have muscles under there, it's just hidden, right? Behind lots of other things. And so he, here's the thing. Uh, God wants to work in your life. He wants to work through your life, but he doesn't do that without your participation. So the very first thing is it starts with a decision and the decision has to be made in spite of excuses and missed opportunities. Because here's the thing, what I found with people, if I were to say to you, hey, why aren't you serving in church? You come here every week, why don't you serve? What do we say? Well, I don't have time. Um, I don't have anything to offer. I don't know what I would do. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know how. Well, we just got rid of that excuse for you. It's right behind me. And so um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where to start. Like all these things. Like we just, my favorite one is I don't have time. I love that excuse. I love when people drop off their kids for other people to watch them and then tell somebody I don't have time to serve. I love, I love that one, right? Like if I'm just being Philly with you, can I just be Philly with you? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You tell somebody else who works a full-time job, you don't have time to invest in kids while expecting somebody else going to invest in your kids. That is the epitome of being a Dallas person. Like, that's the epitome of being a Dallas person, right? And so you just, you got, you got, you got to make a decision. Then what do you do? That decision bursts a desire. Because here's the thing, doing breeds desire. You don't, you, if, you, if you work out and you only go when you feel like it, you're never going to go again. But the more that you go, the more that you feel like it. The more that you eat healthy, the more you want to eat healthy. The more that you, you know, go to bed at a certain time, your body's resting, doing breeds desire. 
So you begin to serve. You're not going to feel like it. I, got, I can't add anything else to my schedule. Here's the problem with so many of you. Jesus is not an addition to your schedule. Jesus is everything or nothing. That, that's what he says. He wants all or nothing. Not, not the middle, not a little bit, not a medium, medi- you know, let me just give you a little bit, a little, the middle. I'll give you a little bit. It's all or nothing. You don't add Jesus to your schedule. You give Jesus your life and everything becomes second. You make a decision, it bursts a desire, right? Watch what happens. It bridges your design. Here's what I love about it. Some of you have things resting in the, in the person that you are that you don't even know are in there because they were in there to build the kingdom of God and he cannot develop them to, in your life until you know where to point them because if he brings them out of your life before then, it will lead to arrogance and ultimately you walking away from the Lord. So he's waiting for you to point your affection and and your attention in the right direction. And then he'll begin to bring things out of your life that only he could have put there. And the last thing, this is my favorite. This is what I love about serving is it builds a destiny. In in other words, um, you want your life to matter. The Bible is clear. It matters through service. And here's a a very real thing I think is going to happen. I think we're going to get to heaven someday. And uh, all these little things we've done, cups of coffee we've made, cars we've parked, uh, somebody's wearing an eagle's costume today for the glory of God. If you saw him, nobody asked him to do that. He showed up like that today. <laughs> right? All those things, all those things. There's going to be, I just want you to picture this. Someday, someday, Steve, who's wearing that costume, he's going to get to heaven and some little kid is going to tell him, yeah, I, I, I walked through the doors of, of, of your church. I remember your Birdman costume. You scared me a little bit. But then I went to Journey Kids, and I met Jesus there, and I just want to tell you, 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 you literally, you were the first face that I saw when my destiny was changed forever. Like that, that's a, somebody, somebody's going to be holding a baby in nursery today, and they're going to meet that kid later on, maybe even in eternity, and they're going to say, I remember when you used to hold me in the nursery. I saw pictures, your, your smiling face, your comforting arms, like you were the one who began to plant seeds in my life before I even could speak about the goodness and the grace of God. You were the one that drove me in, in the golf cart. You almost, almost thought I was going to die. But you literally scared the hell out of me that day, and I met Christ, right? And, and he, he saved me. Like, you, you, I was, and like it just, like it builds, a, like I'm telling you, nothing you do for God is insignificant. Everything you do outside of God, let me just, let me just, every accomplishment you make, everything you build, all the money you invest, all, all the, the, the titles you got at the end of your name, if they're for you, they're forgotten. But everything you do for God, when you want to bring glory and honor to his name, when you seek to serve him with all your heart, those things impact forever. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to matter. I want my life to be significant. I want when I leave this place, I want to finish the race well. So here's the thing. Some of you are like, I, I just want to get out of here. He's trying to get me to serve. Is that his agenda? Yep, it is. Because I know if you don't, you'll never become who God has called you to be, and you will eventually stop going to church. There is not enough going on here every Sunday, not enough messages, n- n- not, not enough Im- impressive songs we can sing not enough to keep you going and interested for long enough eventually you'll find another hobby but this isn't a hobby this is something you give your life to and you start by giving your life I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness I'm going to seek his face I'm going to make time to put him first let me tell you something if our church can continue to stay that course and we can continue to bring people in because let me one of our greatest challenges now Coming out of COVID, it was getting people back. Now we have a lot of people coming to church, and we're having a little bit of a challenge to get a lot of people to get moving. And that's, that's scary because eventually, if you look around up, up our bleachers right now, we're not far from having every seat in this place filled. And if every seat in this place is filled with people that already know Christ, who can't come? Those not yet here. If we can't say, have seats for people that don't yet know Christ, we have to get a new slogan, and I don't want to. I don't want to be a church that's, hey, we're filled. There's no room in the inn. We'll get shirts. It's filled. F-I-L-L, four insiders, L-L-E-D. We haven't got to figure it out. <laughs> so what do we do? We make room. Here's a couple ways we make room. Some of you, you make room spiritually, say, I'm going to serve. Some of you, you just go, this isn't my church. I don't want to serve. I'm fine with that. That's Philly. 
I, 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 I don't want you to get to the end of your life and say, I had a pastor that never told me to get up out of my seat and serve, and now I'm standing before my Savior, and he's saying, depart from me. I never knew you because you never stepped out of your, yourself, and you just followed me with your words, but that wasn't good enough because the Bible says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Even the demons believe in Jesus, the Bible says. They know Jesus is true. So what do you do? You step outside of yourself. You, you begin to serve the Lord with gladness. You give him your best and you allow him to begin to do what only he could do in your life. Would you stand with me to your feet quickly all over our houses? And I'm just going to pray. Would you bow your hands and close your eyes? And for some of you, uh, you've just been looking at this, this number. You have it on your phone. Just right now as I'm praying, you just take out your phone and you're just going to sign up right now. Like, I, I, I don't even, that, that, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. Like, you just, you just in faith, your, your prayer is, is actually an active. I'm going to action base. I'm going to respond right now. Lord, you're speaking to me. Here, here's the thing. You've been coming here longer than one week. This your church. This your church. You have something to offer. You have a destiny to step into. You have a design God has given you. You have gifts, talents, and abilities. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece before the foundations of the world. He created them inside of you to do good works for his kingdom. And your, your relationship with God will always seem lacking until you step outside of that. And I, I need you, I want to just, it's not about you just signing up to serve a journey. Well, what do they need? They need, they need more people to serve. Come on now. What does the Bible say? This is Jesus' church. He's going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is bringing a bunch of people into this church and preaching shallow messages that never call you to any type of action and then watching you kind of just in a mediocre way float through your relationship with God and eventually you fall away. Because there, that, that'll, be, that'll be on me. I'll be held accountable for that because I refuse to speak truth. So we love it. I had a lot of emails this summer about Talking about the line, talking about sexuality, talking about alcohol. Good job, pastor. We love it when we're talking about somebody else. How about when it's about us? How about when it's about your life, your time, your talents, you stepping outside of yourself? Listen, if the Lord just wanted you to come to church, that's all he wanted you to do to be in his presence. As soon as you met him, he would have stopped your heart and brought, brought you to heaven. If it was just about you being in his presence... Because he's fully there. So it's not just about you being in his presence. He has a purpose for your life. If your heart is still beating, he still wants to work through you. So how do you answer? Man, I'm going to sign up to serve today. I'm going to stop at that table on the way out. I'm going to text. I'm going to go on my cup that I got and respond to that number. I'm going to get online. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. Man, the youngest person in here to the oldest. The youngest people. They're 13-year-olds. There's 12-year-olds. Man, God wants to work in and through your life. God wants to pull things out of your life. You have something to offer. You have something to give to the oldest person in this place. This church needs a little wisdom. Our kids, our ushers, our greeters, every, every aspect of our team needs you. You don't age out of serving. You're not too busy, too important. You want to be great? You got to learn how to serve. So that's how you step out there. This is your church. I'm going to be part of that. Maybe you don't know Christ, and as I talked about unsafe seekers, I was talking to you. You don't know Christ. You never experienced him. You don't have forgiveness of sins. You struggle with bitterness and anger. You're a victim of your past. You're angry. You assume that your life would have been so much better had you not gone through what you've gone through, and you're kind of here, and you're just a mess today. And you were assuming I was going to give you some religious talk where here's the things you need to do, and if you do these things, God will love you, but that's not the message at all. The Bible says that God loved you while you were a sinner. He was dying on a cross for your sins. And he desperately and deeply wants a relationship with you. How do we respond? The Bible says anyone who calls on him shall be saved. Anyone. What are you, what are you calling on? What are you believing in? Jesus came thousands of years ago. He was fully man, fully God. They put him on a cross. They crucified him. He shed his blood. He gave his life for our sins. The Bible says on the, that he put him in a tomb, and on the third day he rose in power from the dead. And when he defeated death and hell, that he called us not only to forgiveness of sins, but the promise of eternal life. That this is not your home. And you receive that message through faith. It's the first step. I believe in you. I receive you. I want to follow you. 
That next step, though, that following, that's the action base. God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to follow you. But it starts with a confession. It starts with the moment. Maybe you don't know Christ today, but you need to. You need to make him your Lord and Savior. You need to believe in him. You need to confess him. You need to humble yourself. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a step of humility. I'm going to humble myself before God right now. I don't know Christ, but I need to. As we all have our heads bowed and our eyes closed and things we all have to work on and think about and focus on and next steps we have to take. Maybe you're in this place and you're surrounded by a group of people, but it feels like it's just you and God right now. And he is knocking at your heart. You can feel it. It's physical. He can feel him. The Bible says that he knocks. I remember it felt like a burning in my chest. I knew that God was real and I knew he was calling me to himself. And in that moment, all I could say was yes. I didn't fully understand it. I didn't know what he was going to do with my life in the future. But I know that I was tired of the way that I was living. And I was ready for Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I said yes to him. Everything changed. Everything changed. He's here right now. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Here's how you're going to say yes. When I ask you in a second, if that's you, without worried about the person to your right or left, if you say, that's me, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I need to right now in this moment. I'm going to put my faith, my hope, and my trust in him. If, I, if that's you, in a second when I say, is that you, I want you to shoot your hand unashamedly towards heaven, and we're going to pray together all over this place. You ready? If you don't know Christ, but you need to. You need forgiveness, you need grace, you need hope, you need freedom in the name of Jesus. If that's you all over this place, and I'm speaking to you, God's spirit is drawing you right now. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven right now for me all over this place and say, today I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I came into this place, I didn't know God, I don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you're in Montgomeryville, and you would say, hey, that's me. That, that's me. I need to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. As we get ready to pray all over this place, if you don't know, you, don't, you, you know God, but this is, this is your church and you, you aren't moving yet and you're not doing what I talked about today, this is your moment. I'm going to get out my phone. I'm going to stop at that desk. I'm going to take the steps. I'm going to join the team. That's what we call this place. We're going to join the team so we continue to seek and save those not yet here through Jesus Christ. Let's begin to pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done here today. Lord, all that we have to celebrate. Lord, we're grateful for Sundays like this. Lord, I'm thankful for how you continue to build this church, Lord. Lord, you've been faithful. You've been good. The Bible says that you'll build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Here's what else the Bible says. It says the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people that need to know you. Oftentimes the problem is the workers are few. What does that mean? A big church can get in the way. That's what that means. You can have a lot of people coming into a room just like this, sitting and, and, and soaking and going through the motions and getting in the way of reaching people that don't yet know you. But that will not be the case at this church. We are committed to you. We are committed to be your hands and feet. We, we are committed to physically stepping outside of ourselves and serving you. Lord, we want to be great. And the Bible says if you want to be great, you got to learn how to serve. No, no servant is greater than their master. And so we thank you, Lord, that we have a chance to reflect you. Uh, we have a chance to share you. We have a chance to point people towards you. Lord, thank you so much that we have a chance to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Lord, I thank you for all those who are going to step into this next season of their life. And Lord, in, as we look into the future, we're grateful for all that you're going to continue to do through this church. In Jesus' name we pray. One more time, Journey Church, let's shout amen together. Let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.